Well, there's an off day today for the Detroit. Well, yesterday, as you're listening to this, they do play a game today. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, but the majority of the show today is going to be just talking about the biggest minor league players in the organization, the biggest names down there, and what we're looking out of said players throughout the rest of this season and what the rest of their season could look like, roster moves, etc. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, June 23rd. 2023, 23-23 there. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. All right, well, welcome in to an off-day show. As I said today, as you're listening to this, on Friday, they do play a game against the Minnesota Twins. But on Thursday, the Tigers have an off-day. So uh, we haven't had, like, a true off-day in a while. We had a rain-out off-day and then, like, the doubleheader the day after and, you know, rescheduling, stuff like that. But it's been a little bit since we've had a true off-day to, to kind of just talk about what's happening within the organization. And I know we tend to start most shows these days with like medical updates or if you know somebody important talks to the media or whatnot um but we we haven't done a i don't want to call it like a pure minor league update because there are so many fantastic uh resources for like true tigers minor league report is like one of the greatest things ever made uh raj and chris are great human beings we do a lot of content together great people uh and very very good at their jobs in uh, in that area. So definitely a resource I'm going to, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Not, I just said resource. Having a mind blank. I- I'm going to be referring to them a lot. I guess referencing is the word I was thinking of. Uh, going to reference that source a lot. Fantastic YouTube channel. Fantastic. Uh, I mean, Twitter, everything. They have a podcast. Do fantastic work. And they go really, really in-depth on pretty much anybody who plays minor league baseball in the Tigers organization. So I want to shout them out for sure. But I haven't really given my opinion and my two cents on a lot of these dudes since, what, May? I feel like mid or maybe even early May was the last time we had like a true kind of where does everybody stand within the organization type of episode. So that's what today's going to be. Uh, let's start. Let's just get right into it. Don't really have a transition from that. Let's start with Parker Meadows. Parker Meadows is one of well in the spring certainly was one of the most talked about prospects in the entire organization and rightfully so just because he had such an amazing spring training and everybody was kind of talking about what the outfield's going to look like this year and everything and with the injuries that have happened to the outfield everyone's kind of waiting around like hey when is the the Parker Meadows shoe going to drop right well looking at what he's done this season. If you just go month by month, I think you get a pretty clear picture as to why he wasn't like called up right away and also why he's still down there on June 22nd, June 23rd. 
in April, he had a 240 average and a 753 OPS. In May, he had a 231 average and a 724 OPS. The slug in May was 407. Single digit amount of extra base hits in the month of May. And then we get to June, and he has a 317 average, a 544 slug, and has an OPS of just a hair under 900. Uh, one of the biggest gripes with Parker Meadows, the player, as he's been uh, coming up through the system. Well, uh, he, he's another one. I guess we could, if we start from the very beginning, uh, Parker Meadows, two years ago, I think most people were pretty much out on him as a prospect, as like somebody who is going to make a legitimate act, impact at the major league level. And similar to Kerry Carpenter, but not quite as dramatic, Last season, he raked and just moved out. I mean, he started off, I think he started off last season in West Michigan. And by the end of the year, you know, was knocking on the door of Toledo. So uh, just somebody who, who really, really progressed last season. And, and one of the biggest reasons why is he mashed against righties last year. And so back to my original statement, which was talking about one of the biggest gripes or, or like one of the biggest areas that a lot of people still want to see him improve in is obviously hitting against lefties. Now we've seen before, like there, we've seen a lot of players just in general in the world of baseball, but also prospects within our our own organization that have struggled with you know platooning against one of the the handness, I guess, uh, as opposing starters, and then get a lot more comfortable and and I don't want to say overcome seems way too dramatic but are able to to continue to develop and become not a platoon bat. So far this season Parker Meadows oddly enough has a 250 average and a 750 OPS against righties and against lefties has an 892 OPS. Now I know at first that sounds preposterous but context is very very important here. Um, he has significantly less plate appearances against lefties than he does righties. Significantly. That kind of frustrates me because uh, unless you're planning on developing a platoon bat, I would rather he got opportunities against lefties. Like that that frustrates me. If it's the major league level, you got to win ball games, right? We've had this conversation a lot. Like your job is to win. You're trying to put the best lineup on the field every single day especially if you're not like a rebuilding team or whatnot. I, I, I totally understand it at the major league level. In AAA, for a dude that like has a decent amount of promise and is, and is an athletic freak and had a great year last year, I it, it frustrates me. He has 80 plate appearances against lefties to 226 against righties. Now, you're always, if you play even if you play every day, you're always going to have slightly more against righties than lefties just because there are more you know, righties out there than lefties. But if you look at the games played, right? I mean, it's almost 30 less games that he's appeared in against left-handed pitching than than right-handed pitching. So I would like him to face more lefties and continue to prove that he can hit them. That would be nice. I, I don't understand taking the bat out of his hands. And again, that's like he has 80 playing appearances. It's not like he has four. Like, I feel like they are doing that to some extent. But I'm kind of just like, let him off the leash and just see what happens. Um, I think that would be kind of the next step in development in my eyes. And also it's important what, you know, the 750 OPS against righties, you're kind of like, uh, it's not like the highest ever. 
Um, we we got to realize that again. June his OPS is 900. It was much lower than that after May, and he's been on an absolute tear for the entire month of June. So if you were to do righty lefty splits and month by month, you would see the progression forward. I'm not as worried about that. Um, he because he's been hitting all handness in in the month of June. So something to keep an eye out for. I still don't think he's anywhere close to getting called up to the majors. I don't think we're gonna see that anytime soon. Uh, I'm not even really guaranteed that that's going to happen this year. Maybe like a late August or a September thing if the Tigers are out of it, assuming they are out of it. Um, And like injuries are always going to play a role in that as well. But uh, yeah, I I think he just still has a lot of developmental things that they want to work on kind of in his approach and whatnot. Um, That was a lot of time spent on Parker Meadows, but I feel like he's, he's one of the more talked about prospects within the organization. Let's move on to maybe the most talked about hitting prospect. Uh, Cold Key is probably the most talked about hitting prospect. The sec- top two top most talked about hitting prospect in the organization, and that is the Toledo Mudhens third baseman, Justin Henry Malloy. Now, Malloy ha- has gotten some reps in left field as well, but has played a boatload of third base this season and third base and left field currently don't have like guaranteed long-term fixtures in the Tigers organization. So if he works out at either of those, I don't really care what I just care that he hits. And controversially, Justin Henry Malloy is still in triple a for the time being. A lot of people have been clamoring for him to get called up really all season. Um, there's a, there's a kind of a philosophical conversation about that. And, uh, you know, like what you believe in for the advancement of, of, of prospects and whatnot. There's a couple of numbers that I want to go over as to like really scream out to me like that. This is why he is still in AAA and this is why the organization isn't just pulling the trigger on him. And we'll get into those right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best sports book out there. Um, baseball season's in full swing, as you all know. <laughs> it's the middle of June. We've been talking about baseball for a little while now. There's no better place to bet on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official sports partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that truly do tune in every day. I appreciate you all greatly. We'll be back on Monday recapping a series against the Minnesota Twins. We'll take whatever we have time left once we get through all of uh, these beautiful names here. And we'll talk a little bit about this Twins series. But we did just play them, so we're not going to be too surprised by anything. Different pitchers we'll face this time around, though. So, um, okay, let's talk about Justin Henry Malloy. So, uh, he absolutely crushed the baseball. In the month of April, that's the month. Forgot, uh, forgot my months there for a second. In April, he had a 341 average and an OPS of just three points under a thousand at 997. And everybody was like, "Get this dude up here right now!" And uh, I mean, obviously, the excitement that came with him. He had 20 walks in 26 games. Uh, I mean, that's like fantastic. Uh, he he was really, really. Seeing the ball very well. He had a little bit of a power surge there for a little bit. 
Um, and then May rolled around and he really, the, the batted ball numbers plummeted. Now, the one thing that I, I really am excited about with Malloy is just the eye and the amount of walks that he draws. Everybody is well aware that I love my, my walk drawers. Okay. And uh, even in May, he had a 205 average and just a 716 OPS in the month of May still walked 20 times in 25 games in May. Same walk total as April when he had an OBP of almost 500. So obviously the OBP goes way down because his batting average is 200. Uh, but that is a great sign that even no matter if he's going to be hitting the ball or not, he's going to be working counts. That that's, that's great. That is massive green flag. Okay. June. 246 average, 789 OPS at the time of this recording, which is before uh, any minor league games have been played yet on Thursday. Uh, so one of the things about Justin Henry Malloy, the hitter, is that the power has been in question. Now, that's not like the end of the world. Some dudes just don't hit for pop. That's not a huge deal. Ideally, the Tigers would love some more power in the lineup. But if this dude's getting on base at a 400 clip, right? And I know that that's insanely high. He's not going to do that as a rookie or maybe even his first, maybe not ever. That, that's a very, very high number I just said. But if he's getting on base a lot and drawing a lot of walks and putting the ball into the gap even in, in a large Comerica Park, you can get a really valuable ball player out of that. And he can put together a lot of great ABs and we can all be happy. Um, but I think I currently... At 23 years old, they're trying to, you know, is this season, do we really need the reinforcements right now? And I'm not saying that facetiously or like, oh, like we definitely do or definitely don't. I'm genuinely asking, like, do you think we really need the reinforcements right now? So that that's a, a somewhat of a question, is the slug. And it's not like his slugging percentage this year is, is awful. He's got a 446 slug. That's pretty solid. Um, but since April... It has been 352 in May, and then it's been back up to 464 here so far in June. And the big reason for June is because he, he has an OPS of 1350 over the last week. So even June started off a little bit slower. And then over the last seven, eight games, I think he's on a, a seven-game hit streak, actually, at the time of this recording. So he's been mashing again back to how he looked in April over the last week or so. Now, the only, last thing I'll say about Malloy, and then we'll move on because I, we're halfway through the show and I've only done two players. So this is probably going to be a long one. Um, if you look at the righty-lefty splits, against he's a right-handed hitter. Against righties, he has an average of over 290 and an OPS of 880, approaching 900. His stats against lefties as a right-handed hitter, okay, as a right-handed hitter, 191 average, 727 OPS, and the slug is only 380. So the amount of walks he draws, which is just a boatload no matter what hand you throw the baseball with, doing a, a lot of the heavy lifting in that OPS even. So kind of just a head scratcher. Not I don't want to call it concerning yet, but like a, a one not a, he's been a buck 90 against lefties as a righty. It's a little weird. So I think that they're trying to find some some just level playing field. Just just try to see help water finds its level. 
if he starts hitting lefties a little bit better, if maybe he's getting even more doubles, not even home runs necessarily. He just had a home run a couple of days ago as you're listening to this. I, I think we will see him. I'm not worried about not seeing him in 2023, but I, I don't think that they're rushed to do it. I, I really don't. I think that there's still enough on here that you can look at and be like, oh, I kind of want him to get better in this and this and this. And, and the argument of, oh, like our, you know, Meadows or Henry Malloy for this matter, uh, like, oh, are, are either of these dudes going to be downgrades against what we're currently lobbing out there? Probably not. I'm not saying they are, but I don't think that it's fair to assume that they're going to be massive, massive upgrades either. Like that, that jump from AAA to the majors is hard, and there's pretty clear holes at the plate for both of these dudes still. Now, does that mean that if Justin Henry Malloy got the call up tomorrow, I'd be like, wow, that was so stupid? No. <laughs> if Malloy was in the majors tomorrow, I would be thrilled. I would be pumped. And I would, uh, yeah, I would be pro it. I, I, I'm for him getting the call up still. I'm not saying you have to keep him down there. I'm just trying to relay what I think the front office is thinking. That's all. Makes sense? Cool. Uh, let's talk Andre Lipsius. This one's a little bit of a quicker conversation. Lipsius was one of my favorite prospects in the organization last year. Uh, because we didn't have Justin Henry Malloy last year, and Andre Lipsius was the dude that drew a billion walks. Uh, at one, I believe it was in Double A, his full Double A stint last year. Lipsius, I think, had more walks than strikeouts. Like I, I just love the way he approaches the game and, and love the way that he takes his at bats. Now, the same problems I just relayed for Malloy are kind of the same, but even more aggressive with Lipsius. The slugging percentage is a huge question mark uh, for him. Uh, he has a 377 slug in AAA this year. He only has a 709 OPS in AAA this season. Um, his walk rate is still pretty solid. It's not as incredible as it was down in Erie last year, but it's still solid. But the biggest thing for him is, again, he is a righty that weirdly cannot hit left-handed pitching. He has a 277 average and a 750 OPS against righties and against lefties. He's batting a buck 93 with a 569 OPS. So clearly, like not ready for that jump, need, needs to show that he can hit left-handed pitching, which is so weird to say about a right-handed hitter. But here we are. Um, who else? Who's next? I guess I can just kind of use the cheat sheet over there. Okay. We can go down to double a, I guess there's, there's a lot of fun prospects down there in double a, uh, Keith, we're going to save for last just because he's incredible. Uh, let's talk about some pitching. There, there's really no like top prospect young arms in Toledo that are like ready to kind of break through at this point. Now that, uh, especially now that Reese Olsen's in the majors, um, but looking down in, in Erie, there is quite a few young pitchers that I think a lot of people are really excited about one being Wilmer Flores um, Wilmer Flores if you remember the like early May episode version of this we talked about how he had gotten off to a pretty rough start of the season he had a really rough April uh, in April Wilmer Flores had a goodness he had almost a 900 OPS against just really, really rough. Uh, an ERA, a whip of 1.7, and the ERA of 8.27 in the month of April. Now, ever since then, back to regularly scheduled programming. In May, he had a 2.16 ERA. In June, so far in three starts, he has a 2.51 ERA. He's got a sub one whip so far in June, and had a 1.24 whip 
in May. Um, uh, really, I, I say this about a lot of prospects, but I, I think it's really important to development. One of the biggest things with Wilmer Flores is consistently commanding the fastball because when he does that, then he can play off his re- – he's a really good slider, and he can play off that really well. And also just developing the third pitch. We talk about it with a lot of players as well. Uh, just consistently finding that change up and being able to go to it at all times. Um, but ever since May, he's done that a lot better. I don't really expect Wilmer Flores to be in a Tigers uniform this year, I guess. Again, like and September barely even counts. Like anybody could get called up in September. Um, but I do expect him to be in Toledo relatively soon. And that's an important step. Like the, the biggest step between Erie and Toledo is not like some crazy talent gap necessarily. The difference is the personnel. You got to realize these days, double A is like the highest level of like the youth minor leagues and triple A is more of like people that are veterans that have played in the show that are either just off the 40 man roster and are waiting for somebody to get hurt so that they can get added to the 40 or like depth pieces on a team's 40 man roster. Right. So uh, for, for either side, for hitters, it's important to go to triple A so that you can face like former major league pitchers. Right. And not just like a bunch of 21 year olds that are also top prospects. It's a, it's a much different vibe. And then the same thing with, with pitchers, you got to go up against like the most professional hitters you've ever faced. So that's really the biggest difference between those two. There's, there's a common misconception about that. And it's definitely evolved kind of over time and whatnot. And, and each league has its own personality, different regions. And, and I mean, there's even not even really speculations, more of just like, I don't want to call it fact either, uh, but uh, like different baseballs being used. Like th- there, there's a lot of different, you know, depending on where your organization falls and everything. But the biggest thing for me is just like you're facing like some, some former or, or even like, 4A slash current-ish Major League Ball players when you go up to AAA. And that'll be the next step with Wilmer, seeing if he can get away with what he gets away with in Erie against those type of hitters. Um, let's talk about one of my favorite stories from this season. He's a pitcher. He's currently in Erie. He's having a really solid year. We'll talk about him right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Marg's. This episode is brought to you by Marg's Sparkling Margaritas. Look, you guys know I love a good drink, and I've been trying to find a replacement for the typical White Claws and High Noons of the world. Well, thank goodness I stumbled upon Marg's. The refreshing, ready-to-drink sparkling margaritas have officially become my go-to cocktail. They're crafted with real Blanco tequila. Marg's are clean, crisp, and they genuinely taste so, so good. They've got five unique flavors, so there's always something for everyone to enjoy. I love these the most when kicking back after work, watching a game, or just hanging out with friends. And this summer, I can't wait to continue to pack my cooler full of marks for backyard barbecues, boat trips, days at the beach, etc. They're also not only the drink of summer, but they're absolutely going to be the perfect tailgate season drink this fall. So visit sipmargs.com now to find a retailer near you. That's S-I-P-M-A-R-G-S.com. To find a retailer near you, you must be 21 or older to enjoy. Cheers, and please drink responsibly. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Uh, So we talked about Wilmer Flores. He's gotten a lot better the last couple of months, and I'm expecting a, a stint in Toledo relatively soon maybe with maybe still you know within the next month or so but like by august 1st i i would expect him uh barring you know 
similar production to be there. Uh, one of my favorite stories of this minor league season for the Tigers so far is a man named Brant Herter. Brant Herter is a starting pitcher down in the Erie Seawolves. He's in the same rotation as Wilmer Flores. And he has been incredible this season. Uh, so far this year, in 13 starts, he has a 304 ERA, a 1154 whip, uh, and he has 69 strikeouts in 56 innings, paired with only 13 walks in 56 innings. Um, really, really solid stuff. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing, I, I was actually talking to uh, Raj of Tigers Minor League Report about him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the biggest points that that we both agreed on and, and that Raj definitely pointed out and, and made clear was like, does he have the ability to consistently challenge professional hitters inside? Like when you watch him pitch, he really has no fear of going inside the strike zone. It's usually pretty successful. Definitely works, you know, east-west, ha has the ability to do both. But there, there's a big question mark about as he continues to progress through the system, if he will continue having that success with an inside pitch or even be able to challenge hitters with an inside pitch, but has had a really fun season and a really good season this year. Uh, and just like pretty consistent, he started off his first four starts. He had a 0 0.5 ERA. And then for the entire month of May, he had a three, two, three. And then so far in June, he has a six, seven, five. Uh, but that's two really short starts where he kind of got popped in the mouth. And um, so I, I mean, obviously, if that becomes a trend and he just, you know, doesn't have it anymore and uh, and whatnot, then we'll talk about it. But for now, I'm kind of just chalking it up to, oh, like that was kind of bound to happen eventually, you know. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I obviously don't expect her to be like in a Tigers uniform this year really at all. Um, but if he by the end of the season was kind of knocking on the door of Toledo or like at the start of next year, if he was starting in Toledo, I think it's a pretty big success story. He's a lefty. Uh, 24 years old. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, he was the seventh round pick in 2021. I remember when we drafted him, I, uh, you, you definitely turning heads and, and people are paying a little bit more attention to him this season. So that's kind of been fun. Let's talk about Dylan Dingler and Trey Cruz, two dudes who are, uh, having very, very solid seasons in Erie as well. Let's start with Trey Cruz. Um, Cruz was, when was he drafted? I'm trying to remember the round. Third round of the 2020 draft. Uh, that was kind of the weird draft, but um, third round pick. And, you know, we, we had the huge storyline about like, what is it? Three or maybe even four generations of, uh, is he the third or fourth? He might be the fourth or like four different family members or something. Anyway, long lineage, baseball family. All right. Long lineage. And, and his father was uh, one of the coaches in A.J. Hinch's like original coaching staff. Uh, and he got plucked, I believe, back to Rice, where it seems like a lot of people in his family have connections to and have played for, including, obviously, Trey Cruz, uh, current Trey Cruz here. Um, and so he started off not bad by any stretch, but he was kind of just like, okay, this dude's having a pretty solid season. He's not doing anything to make you go, wow, we got to call him up right away. But like, he doesn't look overmatched here. That was pretty consistently where he sat for the first couple of years. And now this year, he has been really, really solid. He has an 800 OPS with 10 home runs in 56 games. Uh, also has 38 walks and 60 strikeouts in 56 games. Pretty decent numbers. 
there. Uh, and yeah, like pretty consistent throughout the season. I mean, 850 OPS in April, 870 OPS in May. It's gone down a little bit in June. Um, but I, I mean, for the most part, he's had a pretty solid season. So yeah, the last couple of weeks have been a little more rough for him. Uh, we'll see if, if a I don't think that a call-up to Toledo is imminent. I don't think that's right around the corner. But if roster moves happen at the major league level, the ripple effect that will probably be caused is Trey Cruz being promoted at some point this season. Um, and, yeah, I mean, absolutely he has been destroying left-handed pitching. Righties, he has a 726 OPS. Could be a little bit better in that regard. But uh is i mean almost has an a thousand ops against lefties like he, he he's a righty absolutely crushing it. and it's been playing really solid defense as well which has been a big thing uh right pretty much the second he became a pro most people were pretty confident in his ability to play solid defense uh either at shortstop or second or third um but he's been he's been pretty solid i don't know if he's a major uh, i don't want to go that far still pretty early on in the journey for for that regard um but yeah just really nice to see him continue uh, to have a really solid season. And again, lately he's been a little bit slower, I guess, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see how can he continues to develop. Also, I feel like I just said he was a righty. Trey Cruz is a switch hitter. Um, I, I swear I just said he was a righty and that's obviously not true. Um, so again, looking at the platoon spits splits for a switch hitter and seeing, Oh, 726 OPS against one hand. 994 against the other obviously some development still needed in that area but yeah Trey Cruz really solid season and then Dylan Dingler everybody asked me about all the time uh was a really highly regarded prospect early on in his professional career and then has kind of slowly just slipped in like prospect rankings especially like Tiger centric prospect rankings for a while now uh, and, and finds himself, I mean, at one point he was like 10, like he fell all the way from like the third highest prospect in the organization down to like nine or 10. Um, I don't even know where he stands kind of right now, but um, you know, the, the, I love my catchers. Everybody is aware. And uh, Dingler, I think can be a, a really solid, solid enough to Okay. My mic just got on plugged itself not sure why that keeps happening over the last few days um but uh, he i have no i have no qualms about dylan dingler's defense i think that he's gonna end up being fine uh one of the things that has been a theme throughout his professional career is inconsistencies offensively he will go through a couple of weeks where he'll be on an absolute tear and then he'll go through two or three weeks where it seems like he can't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And just like finding that level-headedness. Now, another thing that's important to note, catchers, they when they become professionals, they've never caught that many games before in a summer in their entire lives. And that's obviously true with every position. But catcher is such a physically demanding position that that's a huge adjustment. And so I think I, you know, last year was a little bit more linear of like, oh, early on in the season, he crushed the ball. And then as the season got long, further and further in, the numbers went down and down and down this season. It's been kind of a roller coaster. And so uh, like lately he's got an OPS over a thousand in the last week. But if you go back to the two weeks before that, it was brutal. And if you're looking at the whole season, it's up to 942. But he also, again, has been on an absolute tear over the last week, which has certainly helped those numbers go up a lot. Um, but if you just look at the the stats in the last 30 games, 
His OPS is 778 with a 235 average. So you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's really dramatic spikes and like peaks and valleys. And so trying to find that kind of, I don't want to say level headed headedness because that that's not really what I mean, but just trying to, to be a little bit more consistent with his approach and, and with the offensive output that he is getting. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he's hitting both sides of the plate really, really well. Uh, and, and his numbers just seem to, I mean, he has an OPS over 800 for every month this season. It's just, again, a matter of like from a week to week basis, can he continue to have the same offensive production? And when looking at his future this season, I fully expect him to be in Toledo at some point relatively soon. I think that that's the natural next step. I don't expect him to be in Detroit this year unless, I don't know. It, it, I know a lot of people are, are really frustrated with Eric Haas and, and, and whatnot and, and feel like there, there should be an opening for catcher at the major league level. I don't think that they're just going to fill it. Is, is Dylan Dingler going to be immediately better than Eric Haas right now? I, I, I don't know. I, sh- for the sake of argument, let's just say he is. Um, but is him having like a 615 OPS worth like jumping the gun on him and sending him up right now 615 would be significantly better than what Haas is doing right now because that's how bad he's struggling but like I I think I would rather slow and steady wins the race for a guy like that lastly let's talk about Colt Keith let's then let's get out of here Colt Keith is some some of the most excited I've been about a Tigers hitting prospect not named Riley Green in my entire life he might be the most excited I've ever been about a hitting prospect not named Riley Green in my entire life. For the Tigers, at least. He's unbelievable. His numbers this season, 976 OPS, 321 average, uh, 25 walks in 57 games, 14 homers, 17 doubles, 2 triples in 57 games. He had a game a couple of weeks ago where he had a cycle and two homers all in one game, and he might have gone six for six that day. It's like one of the most insane individual stat lines I've ever seen for a single game at any level in my entire life ever. Um, he's incredible, and finding a home for him defensively is definitely like a big question that uh, a lot of people in the organization continue to cite, but they will find a spot for him because he rakes. So like, Yes, ideally you'd love for him to be like a plus defender, but even if he's not, he's going to be incredibly valuable for the baseball team for a long time. Six foot two, lefty, 21 years old at the time of this. Uh, in August, he'll turn 22. Was a fifth round pick in 2020. He he's he's him. <laughs> His like I, I mean against lefties. 970 OPS against righties, 991 OPS. Uh, April, he got off to a quote-unquote slow start, had a 286 average and an 822 OPS. In May, for a full month, he had a, he held an 1100 OPS, and now in June, he's got a 991. He rakes, and he's gonna. I I, I would be shocked if he wasn't in Toledo relatively soon. Do I think that they're gonna jump him from Erie straight to? Detroit? No, I don't. I think they want him to become a more sound defender and kind of all-around player first. But I, 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 I would be floored. I would be stunned, beyond shocked, if he wasn't in Toledo, I don't know, within the next month. I, I would be shocked. But I'm kind of shocked he's still here as is. 
So we'll see. Man, he's good. Minnesota Twins uh, this weekend have, jeez, uh, I mean, the AL Central is just a complete disaster. It's hilarious, to be honest with you, but it's true. Uh, the pitchers for this series, a 6.40 p.m. game, by the way, on Friday, a 7.15 Eastern on Saturday, and a 1.40 on Sunday. Uh, you have Kenta Maeda, who's 0-4 with a 9 ERA so far this season on Friday, going up against Joey Wentz. Then on Saturday, you have Lopez against Reese Olsen. Uh, Pablo Lopez has been pretty solid this season. A couple of bad starts here and there, but for the most part, uh, he's put up a pretty solid season, 3-4, and 4-4 four, four, four ERA. Then on Sunday, you have uh, Ober against Michael Lorenzen. So you miss the duo of Joe Kelly and Sonny Gray this weekend, uh, but you did hit them pretty well last series against the Twins. So uh, maybe you wanted them. No, I'm not going to say that. But uh, yeah, Bailey Ober against Michael Lorenzen. Three games set, and the Tigers, at the time of this recording, on Thursday afternoon are four and a half games out from the Minnesota twins who are exactly 500, despite the tigers being nine games under 500. Absolutely hilarious. That's really all I have to say is it's funny to me. This is a super long episode. I apologize. Thanks for making lockdown tigers. Your first listen every single day. If your next listen, check on the lockdown MLB podcast. Why not? It's pretty solid. Uh, very solid actually. And yeah, we'll be back on Monday recapping the series against the Twins. Okay. Peace and love going to Therapy's Dope. And I'll catch you on Monday, baby. Go Tigers.